This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. You're listening to the Whole Hog Football Podcast, bringing you the latest news, analysis, and more. Here's your host, Matt Jones, with Scotty Bordelon of the Hog Sports Network and wholehogsports.com. Almost time for Arkansas' second game of the season. Razorbacks will play Kent State on Saturday at Razorback Stadium, 3 o'clock kickoff on SEC Network. Uh, a lot of people are going to be there. Don't know that they're going to get much of a game. If they do, they'll probably leave a little bit disappointed. Arkansas enters this game a 37-and-a-half-point favorite over Kent State, and it's been a long time since I can remember the Razorbacks being favored to win a game by that much against another FBS team. Uh, with Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman, I'm Matt Jones. We'll take a look today at Kent State here in a few minutes. But first, uh, the big news for the Razorbacks going into this game is that Rocket Sanders is not going to be able to play. Sam Pittman announced that on his radio show Wednesday night. Sanders dealing with a little bit of uh, inflammation and swelling around one of his knees. It's kept him out of practice this week. I think there was a little bit of optimism that he might be able to practice on Wednesday uh, and and play in the game. And that's not the case. He's not going to play this week. Pittman said that he might also be out for next week's game against BYU. That's still to be determined. Uh, but, Scotty, as you look at this from a, a Razorback perspective, from a run game perspective, Rashad DeBinion was back in practice this week. Uh, how do you see this game uh, being influenced by the fact that Rocket Sanders can't play in it? Yeah, Rocket not being available isn't ideal, obviously. Uh, but I think if you go back to the Liberty Bowl last December, A.J. Green and Rashad Dubinion had their best games of the year uh, when Rocket, after Rocket left that game with an injury. So they're not totally unfamiliar with kind of the dynamic that is in the the running back room right now with their with the star being out. And I think they'll I think they'll handle it fine. Um, it's I think it's an opportunity for A.J. Green to just have a day. You know, uh, I know a lot of the run game is predicated on you know, what the O-line can do. And I think there's a greater chance for run game success this week, or at least sounds that way. Um, you know, with Brady Latham coming back, Bo Limmer, I think, has had some issues with his hand. Um, but when we were walking off the practice field Tuesday, the offense was getting ready to go against the scout team defense. And the offensive line, from what I could tell, the five guys that were walking over there, it looked like what you would hope the offensive line would have looked like for game one. Um, you know, with Latham in there, with Limmer in there, uh, with Josh Braun and I think with Josh Braun at um at, at the spot that he worked at, you know, throughout the preseason. Um, so yeah, I think it's a big chance for those guys. And if Arkansas is able to, you know, put the game away fairly easily, I think you could even get some reps for for a guy like Isaiah Augustov. I think he ran the ball pretty well in, in limited time last weekend and be interested to see what Dominic Johnson's role is. Um you know, Sam has said that, you know, he could probably get out there and play without the brace on, on that knee that he's had a couple surgeries on. It was kind of up to him. Um, I would I would kind of expect him to have maybe a dual role where maybe he gets some carries, but maybe they throw him in there at that that fullback position too, maybe toward the goal line, and maybe they hand it to him. Um, he's, a, he's a good guy to have in, in short yardage. I'm interested to see this much, or, or this week, how much, they run KJ Jefferson because they didn't run him last week. They, they kind of withheld him intentionally. He ran some, you know, that's not to say he didn't run the ball. He had a quarterback keeper on the goal line. He had the touchdown run uh, where it looked like he pulled it away from Dominic Johnson, uh, had a rushing loss added to his stats because he had a sack. Uh, but obviously it was not the typical KJ Jefferson game from a running perspective. 
Ethan, you watched the Kent State UCF game where UCF just ran at will. I think they ran for something like 389 yards, averaged a lot of yards per carry against this Kent State defense. Uh, it, it'll be interesting, I think, to see if, if Jefferson's running game is increased this week uh, because of Sanders being out. It's It feels like it's a, I don't know, maybe a delicate deal there because you don't want to run him too much and, and risk him getting hurt against a team like Kent State. But on the other hand, uh, you may need him a little bit more than you needed him last week. Yeah, and Kent State in that week one game, they played uh, John Rice Plumley's the quarterback for UCF. And if you remember him when he was at Ole Miss, he's really fast. Um, so he's he's a dual threat option, but kind of um, what Coach Burns was saying this week, uh, him and KJ are similar but really different. He said that uh, Plumley just is really good with his feet, and it was like almost like you know he doesn't even get to, through his progression before he starts taking off and they just couldn't keep up with him he he said that what stood out to him about KJ uh, watching film is just he said that he impressed him with his with his arm and how the run game really it just it just comes natural for him if he if he goes through his progression and he goes through his reads and there's nothing there how he's just kind of good naturally making a play out of nothing so i'm not sure that that KJ is really going to be looking at least you Kent State doesn't think he's going to be looking to run much against them. He's they're more impressed with his arm, but I do think that you know you can't watch them give up. I, I think it was like ninety something rush yards to another dual threat quarterback last week, and not expect KJ to maybe have some opportunities to to show off his legs. But yeah, the running game for UC uh, for UCF yeah it was three hundred eighty nine yards, and they set a school record of something like eight and a half yards a carry. Um, so they were able to run it will probably. A, I mean, I was thinking about it for a week to not have Rocket Sanders. I mean, this is maybe the one that you're not really, really sweating too much that he's out because it seems like anybody could really have a day against him. I remember a couple of years ago, um, maybe it was Sam said this at the Hogs Illustrated luncheon we had, not this year, but last year. And he's, I think he said that he learned that to get KJ going, he had to get, you know, put the ball in KJ's hands and, and let him run with it a little bit. Maybe that got him a little bit amped and, you know, maybe into the flow of a game. I think with KJ's progression and his maturity and maybe, you know, learning from Dan Enos in the last year, I think KJ might be to the point where it doesn't really matter um, what, what you do with him early in a game. Um, and I think he'd probably be just as comfortable, maybe even more comfortable now uh, throwing the ball, you know, to, to maybe get himself going. I just, I think, I don't think it's worth running. I mean, we may see KJ run, you know, maybe upwards of five times, um, six times in this game, but I think you've got to try to limit the the body blows that he takes before the, the schedule starts getting really tough. I think what you're saying there, you think he's going to be a smarter runner this year than last year, whenever he was trying to take impact, it felt like. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. And I think it it's all about like your confidence in your ability in the pocket too. And I think KJ's raised his, you know, level of play being comfortable in the pocket. Like he's I mean, you you mentioned it a lot in the preseason. Like the footwork I think has allowed him, you know, maybe a little bit more time to maybe step up in the pocket or sidestep, you know, pass rushers or or whatever. Um, and get throws off and he doesn't necessarily feel like at the first sign of potential trouble he's got to take off and run uh, and I think that's just that's a that right there I think is a showcase of, of KJ's maturity and who I think 
I just don't think we'll see KJ run a whole lot. And if he does, I think he'll be, you know, he may try to send a message obviously. And he's not, he's never been a guy to shy from shy away from contact, but um, man, you gotta be smart. You gotta be really smart. Um, and I, I think, I think we'll probably still see KJ throw the ball much more than more, more than he pulls it down and runs it. I almost wonder if there's a little bit this week trying to get the RPO on track. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you know, they didn't use it against Western Carolina hardly at all. And you've got this stretch coming up where you're going to play BYU and then a bunch of SEC teams right in a row. Uh, you know, maybe just trying to get a few game reps with that. It, I, I think it's interesting to watch. I don't know if we'll see it, uh, but it's just something I, I think that is uh, that's interesting to track this week. We mentioned on the podcast Tuesday that in the preseason, Bill Connolly of ESPN and his S&P rankings had Kent State 132nd out of 133 FBS teams. Well, after they lose by 50 against UCF in week one, they fell to 133rd. They are officially, maybe unofficially, the, the worst team in FBS. And, and essentially with these S&P rankings, what they do is they look at your offensive efficiency and your defensive efficiency, and they kind of spit out a number that says your defense gives up this many points, your offense is projected to give up or score this many points, and and here's your difference. Well, for Kent State right now, the difference is that uh, the projections show they're going to give up 30 points more on average than they are going to score. And so that's why they're 133rd in this projection. Arkansas, on the flip side, is uh, ranked 19th right now in the S&P rankings with an average uh, differential of about 16 to 17 points per game. Ethan, you've been sounding this alarm since the preseason when you really started to look into Western Carolina and Kent State. You said you thought Western Carolina might be a tougher game for Arkansas than Kent State. Arkansas wins that one by 43. I asked Sam Pittman this week, do you kind of have to guard a little bit against Matt looking at those scores last week? You know, you win by 43, they lose by 50. Can it be hard to get your team's focus? And I think that's a key to this week is is not overlooking Kent State. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't think you can ever overlook an FBS team with FBS talent. Um, but I will say, I do think <laughs> I'll stand by what I was saying all preseason that this is maybe maybe the easiest team on the schedule this year, at least on paper. Um, they just it was just so many question marks from entering this year with a new coach and all new. Uh, pieces offense and defense I mean they have zero returners on offense four returners on defense so it was just a bunch of unknown for them and they're they're just trying to get their footing going right now in that game against UCF they just looked outmanned at pretty much every facet of the game except for maybe special teams they have a pretty good kicker but um it just they just look like right now the talent gap and probably just the chemistry as well with all those new guys trying to trying to play together they just look they don't they don't look ready to be playing uh SEC teams like Arkansas. I know last year it was kind of a surprise that they played Georgia somewhat close. Um and that team I think won four games in the MAC. Um this team it's it's much worse than that team last year. I, I think that Saturday could get ugly fast. Um like I said, probably a good game for you know, to get Rocket Sanders healthy. You have a bunch of good backs. Um so it's, might be a time to utilize that depth. I know Jimmy Smith all preseason, he harped on how his backs have to earn their keep and um, because he thought that he had such a talented room. So this might be a week where you really see Arkansas 
I know that uh, Kenny Burns, he said he expects Arkansas to come out and try and run the ball, um, especially after last week, kind of feeling like they might have gotten embarrassed a little in the run game. Um, so, yeah, I think that this is not really your typical FBS opponent. I hate to say the word sleepwalk, but it almost feels, Scotty, like Arkansas could sleepwalk through this game and, and still come out a winner. It just seems like the, the talent differential is is that great. Yeah, it it really is. And I think, you know, it, it, I don't really know what to expect from Arkansas's offense. Like, are they going to try to turn around and hand the ball off just to say that they improved their run game week over week? Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I think the the pass game was so efficient in week one that I think you just, I mean, you try to hammer hammer a team with what you're really good at right now and then maybe I don't know maybe you try to you sprinkle some some run game in there too but like the 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 way the offense operated last week with KJ throwing the ball it was it was like they could pretty much do whatever they wanted and now you got a team that's potentially worse than the team you played in week one when you had your way like that it seems like an easy recipe for you know for you to get out of week two I don't want to say as quickly as possible, but like with, you know, without utilizing, you know, just a, a all of your energy. Um, I think Arkansas's defense has a chance to, you know, maybe suffocate Kent State's offense. Um, I don't re- exactly know what Kent State put up offensively last week, but six points against UCF isn't doesn't really inspire a whole lot of confidence, I don't think. Um, and I think Arkansas's defensive line's really got a chance to you know, kind of impose its will because, you know, I think Ethan mentioned that they're working in, you know, five new offensive linemen, a true freshman at center. And if you look at Arkansas on the interior of its defensive line, it's just a bunch of big dudes that have played a lot of ball. And I think the interior of Kent State's offensive line goes sophomore, true freshman, red shirt, sophomore. Um, And Arkansas doesn't have, um, I think Campbell might be, he might be the youngest guy. Uh, that Arkansas throws on the interior of the D-line, so they they might have their way there. Yeah, and Kenny Burns, he really did touch on, uh, you know, kind of recapping that game, how much having a completely new offensive line and a true freshman center, like that's just a tough task to try and play. You know, UCF, I keep forgetting, they're a Big 12 team now. Um, To go up against a Power 5 opponent with a completely new line, with a a, um, freshman center, that's just that's going to be hard to run the ball um, against those guys. I think that, I, I think that they are just kind of outmanned. I don't know any better term to, to use than against, they're going to be outmanned against most power five opponents and probably most Mac opponents as well. I, I sure hope for Arkansas sake, they take Kent state a little bit more seriously than we do. Cause I mean, we just don't think that this is going to be a, a very competitive game. I definitely think that it's one of those deals, though. I think we touched on it earlier in this week that Arkansas has enough positions right now, especially defensively, where you know a lot of guys are rotating in and out. That I think players still have that drive where they feel like they got to kind of prove themselves. So I, it's almost I think the depth has added a lot of help for these, you know, what you consider a cupcake game where there's I think a lot of guys that are still trying to prove themselves and aren't going to go and take Kent State lightly because they're trying to, you know, the same way in practice you're trying to prove yourself. This is a this is a bigger stage than practice. They're going out there and trying to prove themselves. Yeah, I didn't know if we were going to do a prediction segment 
specifically on this game and, and do a score again, but I've been kind of teetering whether or not to go with like a 40 point shutout. Like that's kind of where I am mentally with this game. And Sam said yesterday on the, the zoom call that he did Wednesday afternoon that after Tuesday's practice, he kind of told the guys, he was like, Hey, I didn't like the way that we kind of approach things today. And he's like, I hope we're not going to be a team that has to learn a lesson and is the talk of college football for the wrong reason, because we just like didn't show up and, um, you know, didn't play with good energy and effort. So I think like, I think by Tuesday, I think Sam definitely, if he didn't already have the team's attention, like I think Tuesday was kind of a, Hey, we got like, we, pro we feel really good about our chances of beating the hell out of this team, but like, we still have to do, we still do have to show up on Saturday. I, th I think they will. I don't know exactly what it was that Josh Braun said whenever he spoke with media earlier this week, but I mean, it seemed to me like they're pretty locked in. I think it was something along the lines of last week was last week, this week is this week. We got to like, those two have nothing to do with each other. Um, it seems like at least from that media availability that the coaches have probably really hammered into them that they got to take this opponent seriously. Hey, we are going to do predictions, and we'll have those coming up here in just a second. First, I want to tell you that the Whole Hog Football Podcast is sponsored by Kendall King Design Display Signage, kendallking.com. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-K-I-N-G.com. The Kendall King Group family of companies plays to win, just like our hogs. We know how demanding retail marketing is today. From digital omnichannel creative services, through in-store signing and displays, and finally, to social influence, we've got you covered. Our KKG Inc. family of companies, Kindle King, Shopcart Creative, and Soapbox Influence are winning with multiple retailers and brands. We play to win and we'll be a winning partner for all your retail marketing service needs. Go Hogs! Get the latest breaking news on all Arkansas Razorback sports at wholehogsports.com. Our award-winning reporters and photographers go beyond game recaps to bring our subscribers the most trusted Razorbacks news anywhere. With expert analysis, the latest in recruiting, plus unique and compelling stories of your favorite teams. Subscribe today at wholehogsports.com. Arkansas and Kent State Saturday on SEC Network. Don't be surprised if you're a Spectrum customer and you turn on your TV Saturday and you can't get Arkansas-Kent State. There's this huge carriage dispute between Disney and Spectrum going on. And, you know, I'm getting my emails is blowing up with uh statements from different i see where the sec has put out a statement espn's putting out a statement spectrum's putting out all these statements uh spectrum's not really a big uh carrier in our area but we know that there are razorback fans all over the place and, and this is something that affects a good many of them uh, who are trying to watch the game so just be prepared this is one of two big carriage disputes that's going on right now you've got another one that affects us locally between direct tv and next star uh, it's it's crazy how this is working and football is being dangled as kind of a carrot in the negotiations. Uh, but uh, Arkansas Kent State, just make sure you know how to watch it and, and don't be surprised when you turn on your TV Saturday if you can't get it. We'll talk about Arkansas Kent State here in just a minute as we look around the SEC games this week. The big one is Alabama and Texas. We'll talk about that one here in just a minute. Uh, but there's some games, maybe you call them undercards a little bit, that are kind of intriguing. And we'll start here with Auburn going to California Saturday night. It's going to be a late kickoff, Pac-12 after dark. Enjoy it while you can. Uh, it's going to be on ESPN. Auburn, it's first big Power 5 game with Hugh Freeze as their coach, Scotty. 
Yeah, I haven't looked a ton into either team, but I do follow some Auburn writers um, on Twitter. And Auburn Auburn's run defense wasn't exactly sharp last week against UMass. And Cal, I think, ran for a bunch of yards uh, in their opener. So that's kind of maybe something to keep an eye on. But I think Auburn, you know, man for man, is probably the better team. Yeah, I think that Auburn should win this game, and they probably will win this game. Um, I don't know if y'all watched any of that game against UMass last week, the highlights, but they were utilizing Robbie Ashford like in the red zone, and it it was working. It was kind of it was interesting to see uh, Hugh Freeze do that two-man quarterback type of game. But their offense looked great. I mean, I don't remember how many points they scored. It was northward of 50. Um, and, I mean, that's not saying a ton because it's UMass. <laughs> They've kind of been perpetually at the bottom of college football in recent history. But, yeah, I think that they should beat Cal. There should be some blowouts in the SEC this week. Some other games. Ball State goes to Georgia. Eastern Kentucky plays at Kentucky. Uh, Austin P is at Tennessee. Middle Tennessee State at Missouri. Grambling at LSU. McNeese at Florida. Furman at South Carolina a bunch of throwaway games here in week two uh, kind of an intriguing one we won't pick it but vanderbilt goes to wake forest that'll be saturday morning on the acc network late saturday night arizona goes to mississippi state this is the return game from last year when mississippi state went to tucson and won that game similar to auburn with hugh Frey freeze this is the first game uh, for mississippi state under their new coach arnett uh, against the power five opponent scotty yeah again i, I because we traveled last weekend, I didn't watch a whole lot of games and didn't really read up on on many of them outside of the, like the SEC recap that we had on the site. Um, but I like I like a Zach Arnett defense. I think early in the season, you said the game's in Starkville, right? That's right. Yeah, I, I like Mississippi State's defense. I think they'll I think they'll do plenty to win that game. Yeah, it's interesting watching uh, this new look Mississippi State where they're running the ball a lot on offense. Um, their running back marks i think he had north of 100 yards and maybe a touchdown or two against um who was it they played last week i couldn't tell you (laughs) southeast louisiana it was southeast louisiana yeah they uh but it was just interesting watching them run the ball as much as they did i think we've grown so accustomed to watching will rogers just sling it all around but yeah i think that um i think just the the setup of this one that being in starkville at night it's it's kind of setting up for the type of game that Mississippi State will probably um, win, and I think they'll probably win by quite a bit. I just realized I didn't give an Auburn-Cal prediction. I'm going to take Auburn there. Justin Wilcox at California always puts good defenses on the field, but their offense has been terrible, so uh, I've got Auburn in that game. I don't know what to do about Arizona-Mississippi State. It's it's at home in Starkville. I, Arizona played them pretty well last season. You got the first-year coach, Mississippi State. I'm not sold on Arnett. I'm going to go Arizona. I, I don't know why. I'm just going to say I think Arizona goes into Starkville and, and pulls off that upset on Saturday night. Like I said, the, the, the game that's getting all the attention this week is Texas-Alabama, but I think there are a couple of really sneaky good games in the SEC uh, where SEC teams go on the road and play out of conference. One of them, Texas A&M, goes to Miami. They played a low-scoring game last year in College Station. A&M, of course, with Bobby Petrino as the offense coordinator. They had a good start last week against New Mexico. Miami got off to a great start last week, 138-3 in its opener. Uh, how do you see this one going, Scotty? Yeah, I, I watched the um, Miami against Miami of Ohio game last night. I had some entertainment value in that game. Um, and Miami, Florida, 
uh, they've got some dudes on defense. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how well oiled the A&M offense is yet, but I'm sure Bobby Petrino's got some stuff up his sleeve for, um, you know, for Miami. But if you just look at the speed and the size of Miami's defense, especially their front, I think they could give Texas A&M some problems. Um, I just don't think it's going to be clicking on all cylinders yet for, for Texas A&M. I'll go with Miami at home. Hmm. I'm going to go with Texas A&M. I do think Miami's greatly improved. It was funny. Their game was against Miami, Ohio. It was the battle of the Miamis. Um, got a little confusing there. Uh, but they looked really good in that game. Uh, held them to three points. I think the A&M, though, I watched spurts of that game. They just, the, it, you can already tell the, the Bobby Petrino effect of the offense. Their quarterback, Connor Wegman, he looked really sharp. I think he had one of the highest quarterback ratings of all of week one. Um, passed for five touchdowns. He uh, And he had a good connection with Evan Stewart. If you remember, he was a really high recruit last year, um, but didn't really do much. Um, probably just that was an indicator of what Texas A&M did as a whole last year. Had a lot of talent, but didn't really see much production. But I think that they're going to go into Miami and uh, win this one. I just don't think that the, the talent gap right now is there for Miami to match up with them, especially with Bobby Petrino offense looking the way it did in week one. Miami, it's a big game for Mario Cristobal. Still early in his tenure there. They're at home. I'm sure they're going to get a lot of people out to watch this game. I don't know who to pick here, but I'm going with Texas A&M. I just I watched the game last year. Texas A&M was a lot more physical along the line of scrimmage than Miami was. And so that's kind of where I go. A&M has got a pretty good defensive line back again this season. Another game, this will be a, a mid-afternoon kickoff on ESPN2. Ole Miss goes to Tulane. Really intriguing matchup there. You got Tulane, obviously beat USC in the bowl game last season. Ole Miss got off to a great start. Uh, they whipped an FCS opponent in week one. Uh, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I like Jackson Dart a lot. I think I was looking at the pro football focus numbers just to see how Arkansas's guys did, obviously, in week one. Um, I wanted to see where KJ Jefferson stacked up with like other other quarterbacks in the country. And I think Jackson Dart was one of the highest graded guys in week one. Um, I don't think this will be much of a much of an issue for um, for Ole Miss, even though, um, you know, there's some I, I always have questions about Ole Miss defense, obviously, but I think they're mm -hmm. I think their offense and, and Jackson Dart, they can put up enough points to win. This game is really intriguing for me because I think that if Tulane can get past this game, they could maybe pull a UCF of recent history and run the table. Um, and I mean, because right now the American Conference, with all the subtractions that they had this year, it's just not as strong as it's been. Um, probably their biggest test from there would be uh, Texas San Antonio, maybe. But it's I, I, this is a toss-up in my head. I think that. Tulane is really good. Uh, they beat South Alabama last week, who is, I think, receiving some votes to be ranked. Um, I don't know a lot about them, but I'm guessing that they're pretty solid. Um, I'm going to... I don't know why I'm going to pick Tulane. I just think playing that in New Orleans uh, might be a little bit of a... I don't know, a shock for Ole Miss early in the year playing a team like Tulane that you know had a really good year last year and obviously has some talent. I picked Tulane, too. I think I think they've got some really good talent. They may get blown off the field Saturday, but I think Willie Fritz can really coach. 
They've got their quarterback, some skill players back from last season. They beat USC. Uh, this is a team that in the past has taken Oklahoma to the mat in Norman. Uh, they didn't play well against Ole Miss a couple of years ago in Oxford. They got blown off the field that day. But I just think that the that there's something about Willie Fritz that makes me think that he's a, a really calm, composed, good head coach. And I don't know that you can say the same thing about Lane Kiffin. His offenses are always great, but there's always something about discipline with Ole Miss that seems like it bites him in, in some of these games. You saw it last year where they, they lost, I think, their last five games of the season. So I, I got Tulane. It's just it's an upset. It may not go my way, but I, I've got Tulane on Saturday. Uh, Texas goes to Alabama. Of course, it was a great game last season when Alabama kicked the field goal late to beat the Longhorns in Austin. Uh, this week it'll be in Tuscaloosa. And I think Texas probably has Alabama's attention this time around. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. Um, Alabama looked pretty good week one. I mean, not really surprising, honestly, playing Middle Tennessee State. But um, they may have found their guy in Jalen Milrow. He looked pretty sharp last week. You know, he didn't throw for just a ton of yards. We had three touchdowns. Um, through the air ran for a couple more I just think he's I think he's super talented like we saw that firsthand last last year when when Alabama came here um, he just he looks like a running back or a linebacker at quarterback um, yeah I just I think I hope it's a good game but I just don't I just it's really hard to go into Alabama and and play well uh, and compete for four quarters I think it takes a, a really 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 good team to do that I, I like Alabama I like Alabama too. I think, like you said, uh, Milrow looked really sharp last week. And I just think that that might've been kind of the confidence he needed before this game started. A uh, really good quarterback battle between him and Quinn Ewers. Um, I, if this was in Texas, I would maybe be more inclined to give them a chance, but I just, I just don't see Alabama dropping a game to Texas at home this early in the year. This is always the point in the year where Texas gets humble. You know, they're they're hyped up in the preseason. They play somebody good. They get humbled. I know they played Alabama really good last year, but I just think Alabama gives Texas a dose of humility, wins by big in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Finally, Arkansas and Kent State. The Razorbacks, as we said, a 37-and-a-half-point favorite. We think they're going to win big. The question, Scotty, do they cover? <laughs> Yes, I think they do. Uh, I'm, I think I'm actually going to go with a 45-0 shutout. You know, I can't be doing all this Kent State research in the offseason and talking about how bad I think they are and say I don't think Arkansas is going to cover. Um, so I'm going to say Arkansas will cover. Um, if I'm going to give a score prediction, I think I'm going to go with somewhere like kind of similar to UCF. I think like 56 to three or six, maybe 10. 37 and a half points. That's a lot to cover, even against a bad team. Uh, you know, I say they don't cover, and I say that because I think that they play ball control in the second half and just try to get out there without any more injuries. Maybe they get off to a great start like they did against Western Carolina last week, and they do you know, get up to a point where you can cover a 38-point spread. Well, that's a, that's a lot of points to cover. Uh, so I think Arkansas wins big. I think 38 points is, is a lot of points, but hey, we'll see. Maybe they do it. If they win by 38 and they beat Western Carolina by 43 last week, I think you got to feel really good about where they're at through two weeks, even if the opposition uh, has not been very good, because that's what a team is supposed to do to a team that's not as good. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're supposed to impose your will on those types of teams. So Arkansas, Kent State, 
on Saturday afternoon. Hope you'll come to wholehogsports.com before the game. You can read uh, mine and Scotty's keys to the game. You can also read Ethan's scouting report on Kent State. And then we'll have all kinds of coverage after the game this weekend when the Razorbacks and the Golden Flashes play in Fayetteville. Be back with another Whole Hog Football podcast early next week to look back at Kent State and take an early look ahead to Arkansas BYU. Until then, for Scotty Bordelon and Ethan Westerman, I'm Matt Jones. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on the Whole Hog Football podcast. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.